0: Today we're reading 1 Kings chapter 9 and 2 Chronicles chapter 8. This is the new King James version of the podcast. The King James version is also available. In 1 Kings chapter 9, the first nine verses, we also have those paralleled in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, which was another day's reading previously done. And so I've provided those verses in the right-hand side to show the parallel aspect of these verses and they are written in blue, but we will not be reading those verses, just the passage in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me, I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel." But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, which is exalted, Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have embraced other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. In 1 Kings chapter 8, the Ark of the Covenant had been moved into the newly built temple, and the temple was dedicated. Prayer, lots of sacrificing, and a pep talk from Solomon to the people were included in that celebration and that dedication. After the smoke cleared, well, pun intended, Solomon gets a visit from God. That's his second visit, the first being right after he became king in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5-15. God conveys a simple message, really, and here it is, do right and always prosper do wrong by serving other gods, and it'll be to your ruin. God promises that David's throne will be eternal. That was an unconditional covenant that God made with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. We know that, by the way, as the Davidic covenant. If you'd like to know more about the Davidic covenant, then look at my article entitled, well, The Davidic Covenant. It's under the topic section of BibleTrack.org. Now, there was, though, a conditional part of the promise regarding David's throne. While it will be established eternally, it may be, and by the way, was interrupted due to the conditions in this passage, that being Israel went after other gods and forsook the one true God. We'll see that during Solomon's reign, he allowed worship of false gods to come right into the temple court, apparently even promoted it. While he always highly esteemed God himself, he allowed freedom of religion to be practiced by his own wives and the other residents of Israel. The Lord God of Israel was not exclusive with him like he had been with his father David. That was a shortcoming of Solomon that turned out to be the beginning of Israel's downfall. And God didn't let this lack of faithfulness slide, as is pointed out in 1 Kings chapter 11 verses 1 through 25. Consequently, after his reign was over, Israel split. The northern ten tribes went after the worship of false gods. Now let's take a closer look at the negative stipulations found in 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 6-9. through We'll read them again. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go after and serve other gods and worship them, Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house?' Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have embraced other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. So, it is important to recognize that while God is bound to honor the Davidic covenant first established in Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12-16— through 16, this covenant did not prevent the setback brought about by the people of Israel going after false gods, and that's per the conditions of the warning of this very passage. In 586 BC, the last stronghold of Israel, which was the city of Jerusalem, fell to the Babylonians. From that time until Israel declared its independence in 1948, there was no autonomous nation called Israel." In October 2004, a modern yet unofficial Sanhedrin was established in Israel, and it was patterned after that with which we're familiar from the New Testament. In addition, there's a keen interest among the religious leaders, the Revised Sanhedrin, to restore the Davidic monarchy. Orthodox Jews see this as the path toward restoration, meaning the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy regarding the Davidic kingdom. I have a link, by the way, to the website for this new Sanhedrin, and you can click on that link and see what I'm talking about. Or if you're not looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, I'll just tell you the site is thesanhedrin.org. Most fundamental Christian Bible scholars today see the situation differently. I share their view that this is incidental to Old Testament prophetic promises, whether or not the temple or the Davidic throne is established prior to the 70th week of Daniel, as specified in Daniel nine twenty-four 24-27. What we know from prophecy is that by the midpoint of those seven years, there will be a temple, and that the throne of David will be established by Jesus at the end of that tribulation, beginning of the millennium. The temple that exists at that time, during the 70th week of Daniel, Well, That will be replaced by Ezekiel's temple. Read about that in Ezekiel chapter 40. In chapters 40 through 48 of Ezekiel, we see detailed information regarding the rebuilding of this millennium temple. We see in 1 Kings chapter 9 verses 10 through 28, paralleled by 2 Chronicles chapter 8, that Solomon is riding high. Verse 10 of 1 Kings chapter 9. Now, it happened at the end of twenty years when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Hiram, the king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress and gold, as much as he desired that King Solomon then gave Hiram twenty cities in the land of Galilee. Then Hiram went from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, but they did not please him. So he said, What kind of cities are these which you have given me, my brother? And he called them the Land of Kabul, as they are to this day. Then Hiram sent the king one hundred and twenty talents of gold, and this is the reason for the labor force which King Solomon raised to build the house of the Lord, his own house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer and burned it with fire had killed the Canaanites who dwelt in the city, and had given it as a dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. And Solomon built Gezer, Lor Beth Horon, Baalath, and Tadmor in the wilderness, in the land of Judah. All the stored cities that Solomon had, cities for his chariots and cities for his cavalry, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, who were not of the children of Israel, that is, their descendants who left in the land after them, whom the children of Israel had not been able to destroy completely, from these Solomon raised forced labor as it is to this day." But of the children of Israel, Solomon made no forced laborers because they were men of war, and his servants, his officers, his captains, commanders of his chariots, and his cavalry. Others were chiefs of the officials who were over Solomon's work, 550 who ruled over the people who did the work. But Pharaoh's daughter came up from the city of David to her house, which Solomon had built for her. Then he built the millow. Now three times a year Solomon offered burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar which he had built for the Lord, and he burned incense with them on the altar that was before the Lord, so he finished the temple. King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Ezeon-Geber, which is near Elith, on the shore of the Red Sea, in the land of Edom. Then Hiram sent his servants with the fleet, seamen who knew the sea, to work with the servants of Solomon, and they went to Ophir and acquired 420 talents of gold from there, and brought it to king solomon now the parallel passage is second chronicles chapter eight beginning with verse one it came to pass at the end of twenty years when solomon had built the house of the lord and his own house that the cities which hiram had given to solomon solomon built them and he settled the children of israel there and solomon went to hamath Zobah and seized it he also built tadmor in the wilderness and also the storage cities which he had built in hamath he built upper Bethhorn and lower Bethhorn, fortified cities with walls, gates, and bars. Also Baaloth, and all the storage cities that Solomon had, and all the chariot cities and the cities of the Calvary, and all that Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, who were not of Israel that is, their descendants who were left in the land after them, whom the children of Israel did not destroy. From these Solomon raised forced labor, as it is to this day. But Solomon did not make the children of Israel servants for his work. Some were men of war, captains of his officers and captains of his chariots and his cavalry. And others were chiefs of the officials of King Solomon, two hundred and fifty, who ruled over the people." Now Solomon brought the daughter of Pharaoh up from the city of David to the house he had built for her, for he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places to which the ark of the Lord has come are holy. Then Solomon offered burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of the Lord, which he had built before the vestibule, according to the daily rate, offering according to the commandment of Moses for the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the three appointed yearly feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And according to the order of David his father, he appointed the divisions of the priests for their service, the Levites for their duties, to praise and serve before the priest, as the duty of each day required, and the gatekeepers by their divisions at each gate, for so David the man of God had commanded. They did not depart from the command of the king to the priest and Levites concerning any matter or concerning the treasuries. Now all the work of Solomon was well ordered from the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord until it was finished, so the house of the Lord was completed. Then Solomon went to ezion Geber, and Eloth on the seacoast in the land of Edom, and Hiram sent him ships by the hand of his servants, and servants who knew the sea, they went with the servants of Solomon to Ophir, and acquired 450 talents of gold from there, and brought it to King Solomon." Well, we see here that Solomon's cruising along on all eight cylinders at this point in his reign. The Royal Donkey Express, you might say. He spent 20 years of his 40-year reign building the temple and a really, really nice house for himself. He used forced labor—it was non-Israelite forced labor—to do all the work. I mean, he had it all—armies, ships, and dominance. All the surrounding kings wanted to be Solomon's best buddy. King Hiram of Tyre, who provided Solomon's Lebanon lumber, he didn't much like his vendor deal, the 20 cities selected by Solomon in Galilee, but no problem, Solomon, whatever you say. Hiram did give them a nickname, though, calling them the land of Kabul. That's a derogatory term indicating how little they were actually worth. The king of Egypt, whose daughter was married to Solomon, gave him the whole city of Gezer about 20 miles from Jerusalem as a dowry for his daughter it's interesting that while gezer was located in israel it had not been previously purged of canaanites the tribe of ephraim failed to do so back in joshua chapter 16 verse 10 we're told and david failed to do so again centuries later in second samuel chapter 5 verse 25 also first chronicles fourteen sixteen. so pharaoh comes up out of egypt to do the job nothing too good for his daughter Notice Second Chronicles chapter 8, verse 11. It says, Now Solomon brought the daughter of Pharaoh up from the city of David to the house he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places to which the ark of the Lord has come are holy. So his Egyptian wife doesn't just have her own bedroom. She has her own house. Well, she has her own city. And why is that? Well, because Solomon's house apparently adjoined the temple and he didn't want her heathen hands touching temple stuff. What a husband. He obviously deviated from those convictions during the last 20 years of his rule. It's not known whether her house in Gezer was a temporary home, a vacation home, or a permanent home. We see in 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 1-12, through 12, that he apparently had built her another house in Jerusalem near his own house. Well, times are good for Israel at this point in time. We're 20 years into Solomon's reign, and Solomon is truly the big player in that whole region. Those Canaanites who stayed around now serve Solomon as slaves. We see from 2 Chronicles 8, verses 13-15 through that Solomon was very conscientious and intense about his commitment to God at this point in time. He observed the three annual Jewish festivals, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles, If you want to know more about those, then look at my article under the topic section on the festivals of Israel. He had the temple priest working their shifts, and God was prospering Israel under his reign. Times are truly good for Solomon and Israel. Solomon even established a navy with some of the manpower supplied by King Hiram of Tyre. Solomon's ship subsequently went to a region called Ophir and brought back gold for Solomon's coffers. Again, it should be noted that Solomon experienced a significant slippage in his commitment to God during the last half of his reign. And 1 Kings chapter 11, when we get to it, will outline those shortcomings. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.